0: I found God. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Welcome, everybody, back to the Baseball Dorks Season 4, Episode 11. I am your host, Fernando, joined by Jesse, Nick, and Ryan. Guys, it's been a while since we've recorded a podcast. Life has kind of gotten in the way, uh, but a ton has happened since we last recorded. Um, I remember last time when we recorded, we just were just talking about one no-hitter happening. We were all super excited. Joe Musgrove, uh, from the first no-hitter in Padres history. Well, since we last recorded, there have been three no-hitters. Um, and we're only five weeks into the season. Um, uh, Joe Musgrove, Carlos rodan John Means, and Wade Miley. Um, what's what's going on in Major League Baseball?
0: That doesn't even count. Uh, uh, Bumgarner's no hitter that was in seven yeah, innings. The seven inning no. <laughs> so, like, that's technically like it's technically not, but like you could somewhat count it. Four and a half no hitters. Uh, yeah. But it's crazy. Beginning of the year, we had uh, over under. Of two and a half no hitters throughout the whole season, and uh, Nick was the only person who said under. But we were like, yeah, hey, like none of us were that confident in it. But right. we're already at four, and we're in. The, we're now in week two of May. It's wild.
1: Exactly. Like it wasn't a given that it was gonna, that it was going to be over two and a half. It was just kind of like we can see it happening, but it's not going to happen for sure. And look at that. Like two and a half weeks
2: into the season, we eclipse that two and a half over under. Uh, yeah. And and like, it's it's not even from like, I mean they're good pitchers obviously, but they're not from like Jacob Degrom or Garrett Cole, like Wade Miley, you know that's, yeah. that's just <laughs> kind of like you would not ne- you would never expect that. Right, um, Joe Musgrove,
0: like outside of his no hitter, he really hasn't pitched that well.
2: Right, you know R- Rodon has always had good stuff, but I you know I feel like. A lot of these guys are just kind of guys – well, at least Rodon and Means are just – they've figured something out this year. They've really turned it around. Uh, Miley – I mean, Miley has always been pretty steady, and Musgrove has figured something out in his transition over to San Diego. But, I mean, those are four names I wouldn't have expected.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rodon's always had nasty stuff this year. He's finally started to control it a little.
3: I'm not sure what took him God. so long. He had like the top slider coming out of college. Everyone was obsessed with him. And then he just was bad for like six years.
2: He could yeah. just never throw strikes. You know, That's he was true. always yeah, he walking with so many people, but he, I guess he's just figured out his command or maybe, so, yeah, and I think health has been a big issue too. That
1: too. Yeah. Especially towards the, towards the latter end of that six year period. Uh, yeah, he started to deal with a lot of injuries. Um, but guys, not only everyone's saying this is the year of the pitcher, um, not only is it the year of the no no, but we're also seeing the MLB batting average at an all time low. And that's not a metaphor. Like it's at an all time low. Um, 1968 used to be the record for the lowest uh, batting average in baseball at 237. 1968, remember, that's the year when uh, Bob Gibson through that, uh, an ERA of 1.12. And of course they subsequently lowered the mound after that. Right now, in 2021 so far, as of yesterday, uh, coming into play today, the MLB average is at 234. So three points lower than it was in 1968. Um, and just to give some more context in 1968, there was only one hitter that hit above 300 that year. Obviously we're, we should probably get a few more than that this year, but the collective ER, uh, the collective batting average is at 234. Um, I, I doubt it's going to stay that low, especially once the weather starts to get warmer across the country, it'll probably get higher, but overall, um, we are looking at, we have been noticing offensive numbers trending down in recent years and it's, uh, now culminated into this seeing four, almost five no hitters technically in a month and a half in the season. Um, I'm I I I'm even scared to throw out an over under for how many no hitters we'll see total like seven and a half is that the new number we should be uh, we should be betting on but it's just ridiculous how hitter uh, how, how hitters are just not making as much contact um, and oh my goodness and, and like you were saying uh, Nick it's not even like the aces that we typically would see uh, that we would see making these uh, incredible pitching performances it's a lot of middle of the rotation guys guys with filthy stuff that. Uh, that have a good night but um, we'll we'll get into John Means a little bit later uh, but it's just it'll be really interesting to see once the weather starts to get warmer if this trend will continue or if the offense will come back um, to a point where we're not talking about historically bad offense
0: yeah bats should come a little bit more alive in the summer I I I don't think we're on pace for an all-time home run record this year like we have in a couple years past, but um I, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's going to be this pitcher dominating. I definitely think that it is going to be one of the more pitcher dominant years in recent memory. Also with the CBA coming up after at the end of this year, I think they will do something about it. A good over under would be how many changes do they make to pitching rules next year is like one and a half. Are they going to lower the mound? Are they going to move the mound back? Are they going to add a pitch clock? Like how many, how many changes are they going to add? So that's something I'm actually pretty interested in. Like what are, uh, they're doing a lot of experiments in the minors that we don't really know anything about right now. And it'll be interesting to see like what changes they actually make for next year.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Before we go ahead and move on, I'm just going to share one more crazy stat from that 1968 season nearly a quarter of the season's games in 1968 ended in a shutout a quarter of those games really (laughs) like i said it's not it we're not i i I really hope we're not at that point uh replicating 1968 numbers but uh but it is it is shocking how how poor offense has been overall to start the season I was going to say,
3: too, at least with uh, the power (laughs) numbers nowadays, that makes up for it somewhat. So, like, in 68, people weren't hitting this many home runs. Exactly. So, that's the silver lining, I guess, is that we still get that. That's why we're not getting 25% shutouts or whatever you just said it was in the 68 season. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, at least we're getting some home runs. But, yeah, like Jesse said, there's definitely going to be changes, and I think it's warranted. Um, It is obviously hard to – for there to be change in baseball. But one thing I think people forget when they don't want any change is that guys in the 60s and even the 70s, 80s, and 90s were not throwing like this. And so you have to make changes based on the players nowadays. We can't just say, like, oh, I want baseball to go back to the way it was or guys to make more contact. Well, yeah, if they could, they would. Like, It was a lot easier to make contact off someone throwing an 89-mile-an-hour fastball in 1975 compared to 102 nowadays, or even 98 nowadays with movement. So the hitters have decided, I can't make contact, so I have to just swing really, really hard, because if I do make contact, I have to make it worth it. So what we have to do is make some sort of rule changes to make contact a priority, because I think everyone does agree that we want more contact, but the reaction isn't just say, make more contact. We have to make rules to incentivize people to want to make contact.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, and, and 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 to do that, just to comment a little further, and to do that, you know, t- they're talking about moving the the mound back a foot. Uh, I think it was the Atlantic Coast League. They're uh, actually experimenting with that right now. Um, you know, and, and that that comes with benefits. Sure, it gives the the hitters more time. You know, one foot makes a world of a difference, but you know, you also got to consider pitch movement and that's, that's a huge thing, Ryan, you just, you just mentioned, like that just gives a foot more of movement uh, on these pitches. And, you know, with, with pitchers already struggling to control uh, and and the velocity, we might see even more struggles with that, with the mound moving back, Um, lowering the mound, you know, brings, brings, you know other issues, but it, it there's a lot to weigh.
3: I was going to ask you guys all that because I, when I played baseball, I never pitched, but all three of you guys pitched. So I was curious. Like, do you think moving the mound back would have a bigger impact, or do you think lowering the mound? Because to me, it would seem like lowering the mound would be easier to adjust to because you're still throwing the same distance. Whereas throwing like a, a slider where you know exactly where it's going to land. If you're throwing that from a foot back, that seems like you would have to learn a whole different pitch almost. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but at the same time, it gives the ball more time to, if you move the, if you move the mound back, it gives the pitch more time to do whatever funky stuff it does before it gets to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a give and take. What were you going right, to say? So
3: next? If you can control it, then you could yeah. be pretty nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. i it, I don't really know i feel like um either difference wouldn't actually feel that different as a pitcher um mm-hmm. i know like i grew i grew as like the stadiums i'd play in grew like i little league fields versus pony league and then official like major league uh, sized like infields like i would get bigger and stronger with it so i never mm-hmm. really felt the adjustments that much myself but what, if,
3: but, what do you yeah what do, what do you think if you were throwing the same pitch for like 10 years let's say from like this like the same i know it's harder to say because you were only playing yeah. baseball growing up but i i think I, would, I think just curious how that would affect you
0: i would say or just really quick i think lowering the mound would have more of an effect on me because that affects your stride Mm -hmm. like moving moving the mound back a little bit like i guess it might feel a little funky or just be like it just feels a little off color but having a Mm -hmm. like having the mound lowered will affect like where your landing foot lands and how your how your fastball and curveball and your pitching mechanics work so i see that having a bigger impact i also see it potentially causing injuries so who knows how it'll happen what'll happen though
2: I think all things considered moving the mound back would definitely be more difficult. And just thinking about it, um, I think lowering the mound with what we want to accomplish, more contact, you know, make it a little more hitter friendly. I think lowering the mound would best accomplish that because as Jesse mentioned, you know, you're, Your because your stride is is a little shorter um it's a little flatter you don't have as much downward movement um that immediately decreases velocity by a tick uh you know you, you don't have as much snap on your pitches um so it would definitely decrease pitcher's abilities but i don't I don't know if that would change the three true outcomes of the hitter. I feel like there needs to be something on the hitting side to complement lowering the mound. They,
3: they definitely might, and they might do something with um, I, I'm not necessarily like banning the shift, but making it so there has to be two infielders on either side of the bag or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. which I – I honestly wouldn't have a huge problem with that. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily be in favor of it, but I also wouldn't really care if they did something like that. I don't know how you guys feel about
0: that. Yeah, there's there's the two players on each side, and then also no, no uh, infielder can be in the outfield. Like, you have to yeah, stay not, on the Yeah, I think I dirt. don't
3: like that one. I don't like that one quite as much as the two. Like, to me, it makes sense yeah. to say, like, you need to have someone in each position, mm-hmm. but – I'm not really sure if I agree with the, like, you can't even be on the outfield if that's where
0: you want to play. Yeah. Like if the Gallo's up, you want like your right. second baseman playing pretty deep.
3: And if you think about it too, if there are two infielders on either side, if you're playing in the outfield, that means there's such a big hole, either up mm-hmm. the middle or in between first and second. So like, if you want to play there, you should be able to, because then you're opening up tons of holes for the batter, which should increase offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I Agree. Bottom line, change is coming. Um, whether it's yeah, going to so be on the pitching it. side or the hitting side, something's going to change in the upcoming CBA. Um, and then, Ryan, to your it. point, you're saying that, everyone, that the, uh, we're slugging a lot better now despite the fact that batting averages are down. Uh, mm-hmm. Collectively, the league right now is slugging 391. Back in 1968, the league was
3: slugging 305. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a, a difference. Big, big difference. It's yeah. vastly
1: different. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, yeah and I was going to say, too, uh, one last point on this is just, I guess, enjoy these pitchers while they're dominating like this because we don't know what changes are coming and what stats will look like. So watch Jacob deGrom this year. Watch Max Scherzer this year. Watch all these guys this year while they're dominating because this could be a special pitching year. Yeah. yeah. Definitely.
1: Well um, a few injuries I want to touch on. There have been many injuries in the last few weeks, but the th- uh, three, I want to touch on specifically, um, uh, Mike Soroka. So he was dealing, of course, he tore his Achilles last year, was dealing with some shoulder inflammation to start this year. Um, Braves were very optimistic that they would get him back at some point in late April, early May. And then of course the shoulder, uh, inflammation wasn't going away. So then there was no timetable and now he aggravated his Achilles again. Um, and at this point, there's no timetable for his return. Uh, the last update we've heard before this reaggravation of the Achilles was around sometime in early mid-June. But now with this, it's probably uh, realistic to assume that he's going to probably miss time until the, at least the All-Star break. Um, my goodness, this Brave staff really needed him to come back. They, they really needed some uh, uh, an, an ace atop that staff. Um, thankfully, no one has really run away with the NL East, but at the same time... Um, if the Braves really want to, to make some noise, they they, they need they, they need Soroka back, or they need some uh, someone to really step up there. Uh, huge loss for them. Uh, I'll let you guys touch on, on these guys in a bit. Uh, Luis Robert, out three to four months following a hip injury. No surgery is going to be needed, but now they're missing uh, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert in that outfield, at least through August. So that's going to be a, 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 some time missed there. And Jacob deGrom, even though this one's minor, it's a 10-day IL stint due to a back issue. Hopefully this is just precautionary that it's something that'll linger um, past the 10 days. Uh, But if this is something that lingers or he has to miss more time, this could really hurt the Mets. Um, So I'll let you guys touch on, on on any of these three guys or some other guys that may be out uh, that I might have missed right now.
2: I guess I'll bite first. Um, Luis Robert and, and I it, it's been a while since I've I've watched what happened but just to me looking at this you know what well, he was he was running to first base or or running to second base second I believe he was running to second base I don't know to me like he's well in shape he he's a very he, he's a very athletic person I don't understand how you get so injured running the bases that you have to miss three to four months. That just blows my mind. Like you're in peak physical shape. Theoretically, I don't know. It, it, yeah. I mean, th- th- and this stuff happens all the time too. I I, I don't understand it, but I'm yeah. also not an MLB player who plays 162 games a year. So
1: right like Soroka um, who I just mentioned when he initially hurt the when initially tore his Achilles last year he was just you know making a play off of the pitcher's mound he was running to first base and and tore his Achilles and and we haven't seen him since so yeah it's like it seems like a lot of these players get hurt for um, like little like little things like this that really you wouldn't think an athlete who's in such good shape would get hurt with but um, but it happens. I guess it comes to prove that no matter how good in shape you are, no matter how much you train, you can get screwed over by something as, as minuscule as running from first to second base or just running to first base to try to field the ball. Uh, it's it's really random.
0: Yeah, it just happens. Uh, it's it's always confusing too because I always think like, well, I got injured running the bases one time, but I'm, I wasn't in good shape. So It's an important distinction (laughs) it's an important distinction but at the same time like at least like the like these guys are playing and being professional athletes playing a sport at a professional level every single day it does wear and tear the body no matter how good of condition you're in free like just little freak accidents happen because your body is under a lot of stress i'm sure 100%. 100%. So even the best of shape people will fall. Um, I'll touch really quick. I feel like I know Sirocco on your fantasy team. He's on my fantasy team in the other league, no longer. Um, that one really hurts. Uh, I think a lot of people thought Soroka would be back pretty quickly, um, this year, not like immediately, but by now, people thought he'd probably be back. So, um, no one expected the Braves' pitching staff to be this bad, and he's their ace. And I just feel like they really, really need him. Obviously, the Mets really need Degrom, probably even more. But Soroka's injury is very threatening to uh, potentially be season long, or even if he returns, not be that good. So I think that's a very impactful one.
3: Yeah, well, I will say too, at least for the Braves, because they've been missing both him and for a while now mm-hmm. and he's and he's back so that could be the boost atop the rotation that they kind of need and they also need charlie morton to pitch well he just hasn't but if you have those two guys along with drew smiley was injured for a little bit and then they have wasker you has pitched great and then they also have bryce wilson and i'm missing one
0: anderson kyle Ian anderson, anderson right
3: yeah, Kyra's pitched once, but he's probably a little bit lower. But, yeah, Ian Anderson is also good. So, to me – ha- What happened? Not, like, um,
0: or, I was going to – like, is Ian Anderson even good this year? He was, like, so good last year. And I feel like – Yeah, no I think that, that, was, that like, was a
3: little – I think that was a little bit of luck last year. He was good, definitely. But I think that he probably was pitched a little bit over his head. And this is probably more of the Ian Anderson to expect. He's a fastball changeup guy. So, to me, I don't really see – him ever being one of the best pitchers in the league, more of like a solid mid-rotation guy, still very valuable. But if you can slot him along with Morton and Freed, I don't even know that – as long as those three guys can be good and healthy, I don't really know that the Soroka injury will impact them significantly. Obviously, if those guys continue to underperform or get injured, then the Soroka injury will be a lot bigger. I'm more concerned about the Robert one, and this is something that I – Talked a little bit about at the beginning of the season with the White Sox. And although I did pick them to win the Central, I was a little bit worried about their lack of depth. And really, they've been lucky with their pitching staff. They haven't had any injuries, really, that I can think of. Um, But if they do, their pitching staff is super thin. And we've seen with their lineup, it's the same thing that they're missing two of their best outfielders. And now their outfield is incredibly, incredibly weak. And even looking at their infield, we knew Abreu was going to not necessarily have a down year, but not do what he did last year. And that's coming to fruition. And then Moncada ha- has not really returned to 2018 form. He's or 2019 the year that he broke out. He's just been pretty good and Tim Anderson's fine. But other than that, the lineup really is not looking that scary anymore without Eloy and Luis Robert. They're lucky that the twins have played bad. The Indians and the Royals are pretty mediocre, so they have time and they should be able to still win this division. Um, but I am a little bit worried that it's going to be a lot closer than it should have been had all of these guys stayed healthy.
1: Well, you know what? Despite that, the White Sox still have the ru- the best run differential in the majors, and it's not even close. They're currently plus fifty nine, which is twenty three runs better than second place, and that's one hundred and twenty six runs better than Detroit. Well, and we're well, only. The Tigers have been it, terrible. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, and it's only May, uh, and that was coming into May uh, May 12th. So that brings us into our next segment. Uh, so I have four feats listed right here on the on the agenda for you guys. Um, I want you guys to rank them from most impressive to least impressive. So we have Corbin Burns, 49 strikeouts, no walks. The record to start a season is held by Kenley Jansen, who had 51. Uh, Corbin Burns will have a chance to break that record tomorrow night as he'll be coming back from the COVID list. So he's two strikeouts away from that. So that's one. Uh, last month, Jacob deGrom tied Nolan Ryan's record for the most strikeouts through the first five starts in MLB history with 59. 59 strikeouts in five starts. Uh, have, I've mentioned the White Sox already. Best run differential in the majors by 23 runs. Um, and then Shohei Otani on the season 1-0 with a 2.1 ERA, 40 strikeouts, and 25 innings pitched. And on the hitting side, ten home runs, six stolen bases, and an OPS north of nine hundred. Um, most impressive to least impressive. Who wants to go first?
0: Uh, I'll go, or you could go for it. You don't sound too excited.
3: I was going <laughs> to say I have mine ready. If you guys wanted to think for a minute, but if one of you are ready, go
0: ahead. I was going to go. I feel like ah, I. Lo- okay, I'll just say my. Um, bet that my bet with great odds that the Lakers and White Sox would both win their respective championships this year are looking pretty good um but but that one's at the bottom of my list um I'd have to say uh like if Corbin Burns gets over that 51 hump it would pass DeGrom probably but I'll put him third I'll put give DeGrom the second and then Otani being a top five pitcher and top five hitter in the league right now or top 10 I guess but you could argue top five is just something we've never seen before and that's just unbelievable I have to give that number one Uh,
1: that's funny my my
2: list is exactly the same as yours Jesse I'm in the same boat. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I gotta give, uh, I gotta give props to my boy Otani. I just, just what he, especially with his last start against the Astros, he just looked dominant. All of his pitches looked phenomenal. His slider was just. It was, it was sliding, his splitter was splitting, his fastball was fast, you know, everything. And he was <laughs> locating too. And just, you know, and, and he's so weird to watch the plate because two at-bats out of three, he just, or, you know, two at-bats out of three, he just looks completely foolish. You're like, what is, what is he doing right now? And mm-hmm. then the third at-bat, he just launches one. And you're like, that's what he's doing that was impressive. And he's done it 10 times and he's just, he's just dealing on both sides. So mad props to him. Um, And yeah, I, I agree with your, with your reasoning with uh, DeGrom and Burns and and the White Sox as well, Jesse. So same list for me.
3: Nick, I'm glad you brought up how he looks when he's hitting because I think about that all the time with him. I think I said it reminds me a little bit of when Jonas Cespedes came over that he was just swinging at everything and swinging at pitches in the dirt that would bounce in front of the plate and just looking absolutely terrible. And then two pitches later would hit it 450 feet. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, how is that even possible? It's, (laughs) It's also kind of like Javi Baez, the year that he dominated. You'll see him swing at these terrible pitches and look totally fooled. And then he homers in his next at bat or whatever it is. I think it's just that these guys are so uber talented that even if they're getting totally fooled, they're able to lock in the next pitch and either recognize the pattern or recognize the pitch out of the hand, and then still crush even if they are getting fooled half the time.
2: Yeah, and 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 just watch him, and he'll swing, he'll literally swing out of his helmet twice in a single at bat. Like his helmet, yeah. it, it, it's a meme. His helmet is always falling off, and he's always like grabbing it to keep it on. And it's it's just he looks foolish, but then he and then he just launches one. It's like, just what a, what a, what a, what a G. I don't know. I I don't know how to describe this man. He's most impressive to me
3: too. So yeah, that would be my number one. I I was pretty similar to you guys. I guess I would have had Burns higher maybe just because he hadn't walked anyone, but. And you have him on your fantasy team too. (laughs) (laughs) I stick with my boy.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been, I think this is the, this is the Otani season everyone's been waiting for. Um, since he yeah. debuted back in 2018 this is just like the season of him putting it all together um, and he's pitching and hitting in the same ple- games for the first yeah. time mm-hmm. yeah please, and playing out please Al-field lord too. please
0: yeah. lord stay healthy oh, please, please lord stay healthy and <laughs> it, his last start he only had
3: one walk right mm-hmm. the, the starts before that he was striking people out not letting up any hits but he was walking like four to six guys every start but seeing one in his last start against Houston, too, is extremely impressive. That's a very good sign. And the,
2: and the difference was that he started strong. Those other, those other starts where he was walking a bunch of guys, he would always run into first trouble inning. in the first inning, mm-hmm. the first, maybe second inning. And then he would settle down, but I think he finally – managed to lock it in i maybe he ate some different food before his start and just felt better who knows but you know gaining
0: confidence
2: right exactly it's like ryan you mentioned you know like he's got the stuff just like just throw it in the box no one's gonna hit it he uh yeah. the, the first hit against his splitter this year came in his last start the first hit against his splitter i, I think batters are betting like against it, and it was this little dribbler off the end of the bat by Jordán Alvarez. So it's like it wasn't even like a good hit, but just you know, just throw throw your pitches for strikes, and you're gonna dominate. Yeah, cool. So
1: it's good to know that we're on the same page. That Otani's been the most impressive on this list, considering we spent pretty much the whole time talking about him. But it's as we should. You know, when you get your the the best hitter in the league, uh, one of the best hitters in the league. Uh, combined with the best pitcher in the league, like it's just like it's we need to talk about him. It's, he's, not, he's not talked about enough, you ask me. Um, cool. Uh, buying or selling? So we have one team, one pitcher, and one hitter uh, who are maybe performing outside of their expectations. San Francisco Giants have the best record in baseball with a plus 31 run differential. They're 22 and 14 in a division where everyone thought it would be either Dodgers or Padres. People, it was pretty, It was a consensus that the Giants were probably the third best team in this division, um, but right now they're just the uh, they're they're the best, and it's not and it's uh, um, not only the best in the division, but the best in baseball. Um, I am selling. I don't think it'll sustain. Their offense isn't. Um, they have a bunch of average hitters at offense, but I just don't think that they're going to sustain this throughout the season. Dodgers will catch fire again. Padres will play better. Um, I think ultimately the Giants will end up in third place, maybe sniff a wild card spot, but ultimately I don't, I don't, I think they'll miss. It's
3: kind of funny. The last time we were on, we were talking about how dominant the Dodgers were and that <laughs> everyone else was kind of like in the middle competing. <laughs> and then now the Dodgers, Oops. they almost lost yesterday and they would have been 500 if they had lost, Yeah. but Gavin yeah. Lux had a game winning Homer in the eighth. Otherwise, yeah, they were losing to the Mariners. Um But yeah, in terms of the Giants, I pretty much agree with what you said, Fernando. I think they'll probably end up finishing behind the Padres and the Dodgers. And they're a decent team, but probably a few years away. And their offense just is not probably is not good enough. And I don't know, what was it? A a week ago, we were talking about how the Royals were in first place, and now they lost nine in a row. Things changed really quickly early on. Mm
0: Yeah, in the beginning of the season, it was like Oakland's one and seven. Like, oh, they're done, and now they're one of the better records. So they're in first place. Things, yeah, things change on a dime. Um, for the Giants, I'm I am buying that they are going to be competitive all year and that they are a legitimately solid team. But I'm not buying that they're going to win the division or maybe even make the playoffs. That's a little bit of a stretch for me, but I'm, I am buying, I am buying that they're not a bad team. They're not a pushover at all.
2: I think in that regard, I I'm with you, Jesse. I'm, I'm probably still selling cause I am I'm, I'm looking at their uh, home road splits and they're 14 and four at home. Um, and they're eight and 10 on the road. So it's just, I think that that home the, their pitchers have just been dominating and it's kind of strange because you wouldn't like they have good pitchers, but you have to think that the the ballpark has something to do with that. But I, I don't think it's sustainable. I think they will be competitive, but you know, in the long run, it's going to balance out. It always does. All right. Um, Jesse Winker
1: uh, hitting north of an 1100 OPS so far. 10th in position player war at 1.6, which by the way, that's already a career high for him. Um, It's not like this is a breakout season for him. He's had good seasons in the past, but he's already already, uh, six weeks into the season. He's already had a career year. Um, I'm not asking if he's going to sustain this 1114 OPS, but do you guys think he's going to be the continue to be the best hitter in the Reds lineup throughout the season? I'm buying on that. Um, Fantastic. Not only hitting skills, but he also gets on base at a great clip as well, uh, which I think will really help him. He's really, really cut down. Um, uh, I'll, oh, wait, never mind. I was looking at the walk and strikeout percentage flip flopped. Eight, eight and a half percent walk percentage, twenty percent strikeouts, which is it's, it's okay. not bad. Yeah, um, but I'm definitely buying on him uh, being the best hitter in the Reds lineup this season.
0: Oh, for sure. I definitely buy him being the best hitter in the Reds lineup. And it's a pretty good lineup too. I also buy that he's just a stud hitter. Um, I, I I don't think he's going to keep up a 1100 OPS clip, but I think he'll probably end up with one of the higher like WRC pluses of the season. I definitely well above like definitely well above a hundred. So I think he'll probably, if he ends the year top, 10 top 15 hitter. If he's top 15 hitter, I I totally see that. That's a that. huge win.
1: That's a huge win. Yeah. He's at a yeah. 197 WRC plus right now, which is career high prior to this was last season when it was at 146. Um yeah, so really good. Um and I feel Ryan, like you, you guys 14- buying?
0: Yeah, I feel like that 146 is a good number for where he'll end yeah. up, probably. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm buying on it. I, you know, he's shown improvement. Uh, you know, each season, um, I I see him right now. He has a 434 BABIP, which is high. Yeah, that's a little, a that's little definitely yeah. going to go down, but I can see him getting maybe like because he does walk a lot. He has a very good eye. Um, he's very he's a very patient hitter, and I I could see him pulling off maybe a 300 400. 550 550 on the high end maybe 500 on the low end so 900 and 950 ops i can see that definitely happening happening sure. throughout the season
3: wow i'm sorry i'm watching the brewers cardinals game i'm sorry to totally change the subject but avi garcia just hit one of the farthest home runs i've ever seen my i've never seen a ball go there in miller park ever where you go? to watch the <laughs> left left center right left left center so to the left Left of the scoreboard like where the slide is and that was just oh my goodness okay yeah it's it's, it's, at some point that highlight will show up and you guys will have to go watch that oh for sure yeah leave where that just landed but (laughs) (laughs) to get back to the subject at hand i'm pretty surprised that you guys were all buying in on winker i am just gonna echo what you guys said because i also love jesse winker i feel like when i watch baseball i usually tend to look out for pitchers and i like to watch pitching whether it's starting pitching bullpen whether it's the managers bringing in different pitchers or whether it's following a starting pitcher throughout a game watching pitch sequencing i just love watching pitching but jesse winker is one of the few batters who like if he's batting then i'm watching him as super closely to his at bats because. His bat-to-ball skills are unlike so many other hitters in baseball right now. It just seems like he squares everything up constantly. Even his outs are hard hit. And when a guy is able to square the ball up like that, he doesn't launch it quite like some of the other guys, but he hits the line drives like crazy. And a lot of them do end up leaving the park. So, yeah, I'm absolutely buying him as one of the best hitters in the league.
1: Nick, I'm, I, I, I traded him to you, right? Because I drafted him on Fan Fantasy earlier this season. We traded, right?
2: You traded him to Sam.
1: Oh, to Sam. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Never
2: mind. That's right. Dude, I, I, I wanted keep, him, though.
3: I wanted keep him, keep track of his trade. I did, too.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I did know, right? Yeah.
3: I was going to be all over him, but I was scared of the Reds. I don't know, because they have Castellanos, and they have Akiyama, and they have Senzel. They just have so many guys that I just didn't know if he was going to play every single day. Oh, and they have Tyler Naquin, too. So they have like five or six outfielders that they just rotate between. But Winker's so good that he plays every day. I just didn't know if that was going to actually be the case.
1: Yeah, that's right. I flipped. Uh, it was Jesse Winker, Kohei Arihara, Kenta Maeda, four, Chris Bassett, Zach Aflin, and Will Myers.
2: And then I flipped
1: fair. Bassett later on. <laughs>
2: I'm happy about Bassett. He he us. has seven straight starts of exactly two earned runs and minimum he'll, he'll five innings. Right, he's he's been consistent to say the least.
0: Quality yeah. start machine.
2: So, so I'll take it. Definition
0: him. of a two starter.
2: Um, a-
1: John Means. He was really good. Um, prior to last season. Had a 3-6 ERA with the Baltimore Orioles in 2019. And this season, he has a 1-2-1 ERA, 53 strikeouts in 52 innings, a whip of .71 in eight starts. Oh, yeah, and a no-hitter, which was as close to a perfect game as you can get without throwing a perfect game. Uh, Just had that drop third strike um, that that just got away, and that was really the only blemish in that entire game against, uh, who was it, Seattle? Yeah. in think it's Seattle. Um, you guys buy in or sell in on John means, uh, Ryan, I'll start with you this time.
3: Uh, I feel like this one's hard for me because I, unfortunately for whatever reason, well, I guess the reason is because the Orioles are terrible, but I haven't watched John means as much as I should have. And I guess the past couple of years, I didn't consider him one of the top pitchers. So I never was you know, tuning into the Orioles specifically to watch John Means. And then I was never watching the Orioles because they were bad. So I just haven't watched him pitch as much as I should. So I feel like my opinion on him isn't super strong, but I guess he's a lefty fastball changeup guy. So kind of like what I was saying with Ian Anderson, it's hard for me to see a guy like that being one of the best pitchers in baseball, unless he throws like a hundred miles an hour, which means does not, he's actually what, like a 93 average fastball, something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think being left-handed, having such a good fastball changeup combination, he can be like a better version of Jose Quintana, who who was a really good pitcher for a bunch of years with the White Sox and then the Cubs. Um, So I could see something along those lines. Quintana also had a nasty fastball changeup combo. So I could see something like that as his most likely outcome with maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling but I'm not seeing him as being one of the aces of baseball.
1: Okay. Got it. Um, currently he ranks third among all pitchers in Windsor replacement. Third. Wow. He's, he's been incredible.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Throwing a No hitter helps with that. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't watched enough John means to really have either to really have that much of an opinion, but We'll see if he can continue being like this dominant when it heats up in Baltimore. I know that's like once it comes summertime, everything just leaves that stadium. So that's where good pitching stats go to die. If other outside of Coors in the summer, at least. Right, right.
1: Yeah, and uh, he still has three and a half years of club control, so three years after this season, so um, he might even be part of that next uh, Baltimore core. They don't necessarily or have a to trade, trade him, piece. Yeah. or a big mm-hmm. trade piece, a super nice trade piece. Um, I'm I'm buying. Um, obviously, I I, I think he'll end up the season as a top ten pitcher in, in all all baseball. I really do think so. Um, he's just shown no signs, in because I have watched a few of his starts, including the no-hitter I had it on um, uh, as I was working in the background and decided to keep it on once he kept on piling no-hit innings and and turned out to be a no-hitter so yeah I've I've really been liking him so far this season Um, and I do think he'll be a top 10 pitcher in all of baseball Um, cool cool all right At the beginning of every month, what I want to do at the first podcast of every month, I do want to browse through the standings real quick and just kind of go through and see if there's anything that stands out to you guys. Um, American League East, you got the Red Sox in first, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, and Orioles. Um, It is a surprise to see Boston at the top, but it's not like they're a bad team. And it's not like they're running away with the division either. So I would say none of this really... um, Shocks me. Uh, the only team below 500 in this division right now is Baltimore. Uh, five games below 500. But other than that, every single other team is being very competitive so far. Um, so in, in, any anything that you guys want to call out there?
3: This division looks pretty much exactly like I would have expected besides yeah. the Yankees having a bad 10 game start or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. they've been better. The Rays are good, but not unbelievable. A little bit worse than last year. Red Sox are really good and the Jays are good. So it's pretty much what I expected.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's not. It's pretty chalk. There's nothing too crazy. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how dominant uh, the Red the Red Sox can continue to be.
2: Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you guys.
1: Uh, yeah, AL Central, White Sox, Cleveland behind by a half game right now. Kansas City in third, currently in the midst of a potential ten game losing streak. Minnesota in fourth, Detroit in last. So we have the team with the best run differential and the team with the worst run differential in the same division right here. Um, I think Cleveland's going to regress. Minnesota has to get better. 12 and 21, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Uh, Detroit's right where where they're going to be, but I do think, um, in the end, I do think Minnesota and Cleveland will flip-flop spots. Uh, My goodness, White Sox have been good despite missing their two, arguably their two best hitters.
2: Yeah, and, and yeah. to comment on Minnesota, you know, you mentioned they have to get better. It, they, their run differential is minus eight, which is you know, with a twelve and twenty-one record, which is telling you that they're they're winning. The games that they win are blowouts, but mm-hmm. the games that they lose are close. And I think that's the concerning part is that their bullpen isn't able to hold down the fort in those close games. They recently, they, they have, uh, they started the year with Colomay as the closer and now they're on Taylor Rogers, which they kind of saw as, as like the next guy. And he's been kind of struggling. So those guys really have to step it up if they're going to start, you know, surging in the standings.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the team I so, was waiting to click.
0: They're also in such a big hole. Like, they need to be really good to even have a chance at the playoffs now. And I just don't see them being that good with how bad their pitching has been. And, like, we'll see. But I, I I'm not feeling good as a Twins person right now at all.
1: Yeah. And it's not like even like a like their home away splits. At home they're six and eleven. Away they're six and ten. Like they're, it's like almost the same record no matter where they go. So it's not like they can contribute that to um, uh, to home road splits. There, um, AL West: Oakland in first, despite their nasty start to the season. Houston in second. Seattle in third. Rangers in fourth. And Nick, I'm sorry, but your Angels are in last. Uh, this is a division that I think will shake out pretty soon um i like oakland at first houston second i could see those flip-flop too but i, I like the, where that's at i do think the angels will eventually go to third and then seattle and texas will slide down a bit um but it's been really impressive to see the mariners and the rangers be so good early on they're both practically 500 teams right now it's really impressive how they've been playing houston's the only team in that whole division with a positive run differential
3: oakland does <laughs> not
1: Nope, Oakland's at oh, minus nine, despite well, being seven games over five hundred. I it guess it
0: must be because that they they just were getting shelled at the beginning of the year. <laughs> but, definitely, uh, I I feel like this could be such a competitive division, like yeah. because I, I don't think I definitely don't think there's going to be a uh, wild card team that comes out of this division, and I don't think any team is going to pull away that hard. So I feel like between the Mariners with them calling these people like prospects up, Kalanick and whatnot, if that works out, the Angels, Astros, athletics are all going to be within like a couple games of each other all year for one playoff spot. And that's going to be fun to watch coming down the stretch.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would probably say something similar. I think the Rangers are probably the one team that'll fall out, but all of the other four should be playing somewhat competitive, meaningful baseball and the mariners are calling up both kalanick and logan gilbert tomorrow so that's like must watch tv for two guys debuting which should help them out long term as well um one thing i wanted to say this is totally random but just about a guy in the division you know adolis garcia on the rangers who's been what he's been absolutely mashing the ball first of all Mm -hmm. secondly I totally was not paying any attention to him because do you guys remember Adonis Garcia who played for the Braves? He was their third baseman like four years ago or something. The the
1: name rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. You thought it was the same person?
3: I I thought it was him. I thought he, I literally thought he was just like four years older and he was bad four years ago. So I was like, Oh, the Rangers just like brought him in on like a minor's deal. And he's just like some, a backup, whatever. And then I was like, wait, he's playing center field. And then they were like, Oh, he was the Cuban league MVP. And I was like, Wait what? (laughs) This is not the guy that I thought he was, and this guy's actually a good player. So yeah, that makes Texas a little bit better with Solak playing well and Gallo still being decent, Mm -hmm. and then um, Connor Flappa also being pretty good. So the top half of their lineup is better than I expected. Nate Lowe's also been really good, Uh, but I do Mm -hmm. think that their pitching is not going to be good enough to keep them in it. And the the bottom half of their lineup Mm -hmm. is still really bad. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna. Think... I'm gonna agree with you there, uh, Ryan. Uh, they're they're surprisingly better th- than I thought they were gonna be. Their hitting is decent. I think their pitching. Kyle Gibson has been really good. Didn't see that coming. I thought he was yeah, gonna be we'll average at continues. best. Right. Especially uh, after so... how the
1: season started.
2: <laughs> um, I you know as as the uh baseball dorks angels correspondent I I have to comment on the angels um yes, you do. they're just they're just infinitely better with Anthony Rendon in the lineup because You think that's what they're missing? Just Anthony Rendon Well, Obviously not be just Anthony Rendon they they're but That is a big goes, loss. It
1: all right goes there. back to their pitching I'm telling
2: you. <laughs> they they're starting pitching they they're starting pitching they, they don't pitching address actually that. actually they has the highest uh babip in the majors their starting pitching has actually been pretty decent their bullpen has been trash um which we saw last night um but you know i i just think without anthony rendon their offense has no teeth even with trout and otani which i still don't understand why trout is batting third um but that's I guess not my decision to make, but without Rendon in there, there's just, you know, Trout doesn't have that force behind him for pitchers to actually throw him pitches.
1: Yeah. The angels are currently at a negative 30 run differential, uh, which is by far the worst in the division by far. Um,
3: Jared Walsh has been so good for them. So So you, You would think with the top of the lineup like that and a decent pitching staff, it just seems like every year they just underachieve somehow. It's
2: wild. Yeah. Hopefully that turns around soon. I'm not sure what their front office is doing, but, <laughs> you know, I guess maybe they're feeling things out. They started the season great. They, they looked good. They were winning close games, but they've just been – injuries have started to started to hit the team and have just kind of slid. And they're one of those teams where – when they when they get hit with back and this is this has been the case for years when they get hit with backwards momentum, they just slide so far. They're, they're the type of team that loses five straight series in a row. You know, and then, and then they might win a couple, but yeah, it's it's tough.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Life um. is pain. <laughs> Unfortunately.
1: Pivoting to the National League, um, the Mets, Phillies, Braves, Marlins, Nationals. Up until today, the Marlins were the only team with the positive run differential. Up which is wild. <laughs> That's absolutely wild. That is weird. Uh, the Mets the Mets finally uh won a game today to bring them above uh into the positive run differential. But right now with the way the, the division looks. Um, it's not too crazy. Like, if if the season ended like this with the Mets, Phillies, Braves, Marlins, Nationals, uh, I wouldn't argue it at all. Like, this this looks like a uh, the the way that the division could end. I do think the Phillies will eventually. I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Braves will eventually eclipse the Phillies and probably the Mets too. Uh, but it's not un, unfathomable to think the division could end
0: up like this. Yeah, I'm actually. When I look at this, I, I mean, obviously the Braves and Phillies have had their issues and underperformed, so I guess it makes sense. But when I look at the Mets at 18 and 13, I just – I am not impressed by them. Uh, like, I, I've been wa- – like, DeGrom's incredible, and their pitching's been really good. But, like, that offense is not scary at all to me. Like, I, if I – if like, in fantasy, if I see someone's face in the Mets, I'm – Totally fine going against them. Like, I just don't. I'm not as impressed by that offense as I thought I would be. And I know we'll talk about Lindor shortly, and he's been struggling. But I just don't like the Mets this year. I don't. I don't think they're going to end up winning that division.
3: That is interesting because I have the opposite opinion on the Mets. I am big on the Mets this year. I love Mm -hmm. the pitching, which I think everybody does. It's very clear that their pitching is good, led by Degrom, but. I think their lineup is pretty incredible, actually. And I, really to good. me, they, I don't like... To, from the beginning, I hated the James McCann signing. And I really don't know why they gave him $40 million. And I mean, it's only been a couple months, but he does not look like a $40 million player. And that looks really dumb. But apart from that, they have above average to star level players at every single position. It's pretty incredible. And if you, even if you look at some of the backups who've been playing, like Pilar and VR, those are at least one to two win players. Whereas in the past, the Mets were putting guys out there like Kirk Neuenheis or just any and Tejada, just guys off the scrap heap who are essentially nobodies. But now they have, even like Dom Smith and mm-hmm. Pete Alonso play most days, but they don't even get to play every day. And Nimmo doesn't even get to play every day. And Conforto and Lindorth and but bahill turn around and J.D. Davis. I mean, they just have guy after guy. And, yeah, some of them are going to have down years or some of them are going to get hurt but having that many above-average bats with that good of a pitching staff, with that dominant of a back end of the bullpen, I think the Mets are the heavy favorites to win this division. And I think that there's a chance that this could be one of the earliest divisions that's decided based on the way that the Braves have come out of the gate and the injuries that they're dealing with. That was the only team that I thought would stay pretty close with the Mets, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit too high on them, but to me I see them as right there with – the best teams in the league. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Ryan. I, I think, I think they're just solid all around. I don't think they're hitting stands out to me, but they've, they've got, they've got some guys who are performing right now. I think Dom Smith is gonna, uh, step up. You know, he's, he's struggled to start the year, but I think he'll, he'll start putting the pieces together. Um, their starting staff has been uh, i have taiwan walker on my fantasy team and he's just been nailing it recently mm-hmm. which Still you know i'm happy about, about. but you know I, I i wasn't expecting him to be this good um, but they they're they're just finding ways to win right now and they've got a you know solid hitting solid starting staff and solid bullpen just kind of all clicking at the same time right now i think they've won seven in a row yeah so yeah um okay. before we go to the other side will on that
0: we <laughs> <go>. <laughs>
3: well it's i mean it's not gospel you know ever we were just talking yeah. about how good the dodgers were two weeks ago and now they're playing yeah terrible. true I mean, we, we probably it's, just sure. cursed it's, the mets it's baseball literally anything can happen it's not it's not like when you have an opinion about basketball and you're like oh lebron's good you can't be like oh no he's not or though the nets are good we can't be like oh no they're not they just are but in baseball it's a lot more random than that
2: i do i do want to comment on the nationals really quick because i think they just look awful i agree (laughs) they they do not look good i'm I'm watching their game right now and their relief pitching just gave up three runs in the top of the 10th i just like terrible i feel bad for uh, Juan Soto. Because- Even Juan and Soto's Turner. not been doing well. He hasn't. You
1: know, but- He's a sub-800 sub OPS guy right now. Like that's. I'm, I'm glad I traded him.
3: Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> that's awesome not something you would say, say you like should say out loud. Fernando, you just jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, that's it. I'll, I'll take the over on an 800 OPS for Juan
2: Soto, please. <laughs> As if Ryan's team didn't need to get any better. Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, there that we go. Right
1: um national league central got the cardinals leading the division they've been uh really hot lately brewers in second reds in third cubs in fourth and the pirates in fifth after they got off to their hot start um if the division ends like this it will not surprise me also i, I picked the cardinals still in the division um picked the brewers to finish in second i did pick the cubs in third um i mean it, once again it's still really really early but um but yeah it's it just seems like this could definitely be how the division ends up finishing. Um, ultimately, I think the Cardinals will make the playoffs. Uh, Brewers might make a wild card spot. We'll see. But, yeah, th- th- this is pretty much how I think it could shake out. It's yeah, at the these, beginning these, of the year,
3: I said the Cardinals were going to win and flipped a couple weeks into the Brewers based on how I was seeing their pitching staff. And I think I'd, I'm not going to just change my pick every week. So I think the Brewers are still <laughs> the best team to me. And, yeah, the Cardinals have the most depth of any team in this division. If you look at the pitching staff, when one guy, like Jordan Hicks, just got injured, but they have seven or eight good relievers, Um, whereas the Brewers have more dominant guys like Hader and um, Williams and and guys like this and Woodruff and Corbin Burns to front their rotation. Cardinals don't have anyone at that talent level, but they have so many B-tier players that when one guy goes down, they have someone to back them up. Um, and another thing that's really impressive about the Cardinals is their defense. You look at Arenado, De Young on the left side, the uh, infield with one of the best defensive first baseman, one of the best defensive center fielders, and then Yadi still good defensively. Um, so this it's just a solid all around team. I just feel like the Brewers might have a little more star power in the pitching that'll uh, end up winning the day for the
0: division. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, like as the Cubs fan here, it's just always worst case scenario right now because it's all like all these Cardinals players are just being silently good and they're going to sneak their way into a 90 something win season and the Cubs are just going to be SOL this year because two teams out of the West are going to get, or the two teams out of the West or potentially the Braves are going to get a wild card spot. I do not see a wild card spot going to the Central either. So, it's just going to be a tall hill to climb as a Cubs fan. <laughs> they could be, it's they bad. could be, they could be pretty good and not make the playoffs, and that's probably what's going to happen.
1: So yeah. it's really bad that the first thing I think of when I hear Chicago Cubs is you, Darvish trade. Me too, every time. Like <laughs> every I, time.
3: Until until the season's over and they like reset next off season, all you can think about is what would they be right now if they had Darvish.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I chose the Cubs to win the division. I'm not sure why, um, but they're they're four and eleven away from Wrigley Field, <laughs> which just puts the friendly confines into uh, perspective. I I'm impressed with St. Louis. You know, they're we knew their pitching was going to be their strong point going into the season. They're hitting. Has stepped up. You know, I think Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson have been pretty good. Um, better than I thought they were going to be. And you know, you already knew that uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado were going to produce. Uh, De Young has been steady. So, you know, they they're impressing me. I can see them and the Brewers being neck and neck uh, down late in September. Sure. And Cubs uh, aren't too far
3: behind. It's not, it's not nah. like the Brewers and Cardinals are elite teams or anything. Right. And we're not we're not talking about the Dodgers and Padres. They're chasing right. ni- ninety win teams at best. They're not chasing ninety five to hundred win teams. So yeah. if things break right or a couple injuries happen, like what what if even one of the Brewers starting pitchers Burns or Woodruff got injured for the season, that totally changes the trajectory of that team. Or mm-hmm. if Arenado goes down, all of a sudden the Cardinals lineup is the same as it was last year, and that's a really weak lineup overall if you take Arenado out. So one or two big injuries can totally change the course of a season too. And as we're seeing that can happen at any time.
1: Mm-hmm. Nationally West, Yes, the aforementioned nationally West, uh, giants in first Padres in second Dodgers in third D backs in fourth and Rockies in fifth. Um, yeah, I think, uh, Dodgers in first Padres in second giants in third, and then the rest will stay consistent. But yeah, it's just weird to see the giants playing so well. Um, you know it's it's no longer just like a two week thing like two weeks in there in first place we're a month and a half in now and they um and they're not just barely in first like they're the they have their tied for the best record in baseball right now which is absolutely ridiculous so um yeah I, I, we mentioned this earlier giants will regress padres and dodgers will play better it'll all sort itself out in the end Any arguments there? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. All
0: right. I agree. I agree. I I mean, I think the Giants being off to this hot start is going to make them more of a player, but I definitely think it's going to be Dodgers and Padres leading that division and they'll both make the Mm -hmm. playoffs. It's it's a matter of who gets a wild card and who wins the division.
1: Yeah. Um, Giants are 14 and four at home um, and eight and 10 on the road. So pretty, pretty big split there. Um, Cool. So we'll do this at the beginning of every month. The first podcast of the month, we're just going to browse through the standings, kind of just give our takes on um, on what what we think has been going on and uh, where we think things will finish off. Um, Guys, we've been talking a lot about our fantasy teams lately, um, and we're at the point in the season where there might have been a player that you drafted or traded for that you felt super excited about, that you felt really optimistic would help out your team, but it just hasn't panned out yet. Uh, there are a couple guys on my team that I'm just holding on to that. I just want to avoid dropping, um, in hopes that they pick it up and just get on a torrid hot streak coming up. Um, God, one guy in particular, he's actually coming up in the segment after this, so I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave my pick. I'll let you guys, uh, um, talk about your guys. So what's one guy pitcher or hitter, uh, that you guys are holding on to and, um, who has gotten off to a slow start.
2: I'll go first. Um, mm-hmm. He's my third round pick. You know, I, I saw his stats last year. I know I know he's, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, you know, he's, he's on a good team, a, a high octane offense. So I'm like, you know, even if he doesn't do great, he's going to get the stats regardless. But boy, Marcelo Zuna has not Ooh. been good. Uh, batting 203, 333 slugging. He's been better these last 7 days he's been better slugging 520 two home runs but man you know like uh I I just figured having him and and Trout in my uh, in in my outfield was just going to be uh, the dynamic duo and he he's he, he's just one of those guys I'm hoping it's just the cold weather <laughs> and he he starts to heat up as the weather warms up but i'm I'm panicking a little bit, just a little bit <laughs> okay okay uh Jesse uh,
0: some guy that I'm holding on to I guess i actually he's somewhat of a recent acquisition from uh, you Fernando, but he's someone I'm pretty nervous about Randy Rosarena uh who mm. has he's just not really been i I'm, I'm not gonna drop him or anything. I'm not even thinking about it, but he's just not. <laughs> Produ- he's not producing he's not doing too well he's my worst outfielder right now but i still think he will turn it around and be a solid player kind of like a he's like a Kyle Lewis type but um i'm <clears throat> like he's the guy like whenever i look at my team and i see who's like doing well who's doing bad i'm just like how's a rezerrated doing ah, i didn't do well again <laughs> I think that's funny,
2: Jesse, because I, I drafted him as well. I thought Trout, Ozuna, or Rosarena uh, was just going to be a star studded outfield. And then I was like, and then Rosarena started the season like kind of meh. He had some flashes, but I'm like, ah. I traded yeah. him to Nando. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: he's bounced around a few times already.
2: Yeah.
0: Another quick guy, I won't say much, just Gavin Lux. He's on my team, and I'm hoping he starts doing better. He got the home run yesterday, and I think Mm -hmm. he will. So that's one guy that I'm banking on being good this year.
1: Right on. Ryan?
3: For sure. I I want to say something real quick about Arena too. He is another one of those guys, like we were saying with Otani, where sometimes you watch him and he looks like he has no clue what he's doing up there. It is wild to see. (laughs) He'll swing at a pitch at his head, or he'll swing at a pitch that bounces. looks like he has no clue but then he'll also hit one 450 feet and in the playoffs that's mostly what he was doing and yeah. maybe we all got a little bit but i was big on him coming into the season too the only reason i wasn't so much in for fantasy is because he's on the Rays. but i was also buying and i still am buying a rosarena um the guy for me is going to be kevin biggio i think i drafted him sixth, maybe because um, i figured kind of like you were saying that he's in a good offense so even if he doesn't produce he'll still get runs and rbis and stuff like that just by being there but he's been not very good so he hasn't even been batting in the, in the top of the lineup with springer out so when springer comes back he's honestly maybe gonna be batting like eighth or ninth which kind of sucks so i'm hoping he'll heat up and at least get into the middle of that order because he has power and he has speed and he has the talent to be really good but he has not been good so far
1: before i reveal my pick for the player on my team that is really underperforming. Uh, let's actually just move to that next segment because he's actually in this segment, uh, stay cool or panic. So just like we had in buying or selling, where we have a team, a hitter and a pitcher who are, um, overperforming, uh, expectations. We moving on to a team hitter, and a pitcher that are severely underperforming. So for the team, um, actually you know i'll, I'll just to, to stay with uh, with the topic that we were talking about before i'll go to the pitcher who's struggling um and i actually acquired this guy via trade from ryan patrick corbin who has been the worst pitcher in all of baseball this year with a ah. seven a 736era seven, six, six strikeouts per nine innings and a negative 0.7 war oh. in six starts and believe it or not he's actually outperforming his fifth.
3: His FIP is actually even worse than 7 No. Is it really? Oh, God. I did not know that.
1: He's actually uh, uh, overperforming based on his FIP, which is mind-blowing. But I'm holding on to him because he was the main piece, aside from Freddie Freeman, that I traded for when I traded Juan Soto, DJ LeMayhew. um, Who else was in that trade? Liam Hendricks. There was one other guy. Yeah. Oh, Michael Brantley,
3: who, who I flipped. In the yeah,
1: neck, yeah. yeah, Mike. Yeah, um, I was really hoping Patrick Corbin would be the guy in my rotation, like the ace, uh, especially with how good the Nats, the, how good they needed him to be. The the uh, the Nats. So he's been the one guy I've been holding on to. I've it's gotten to the point now where I have really considered just skipping his starts and keeping him on my bench. <laughs> so he just can't. So he just can't hurt me wow. anymore um it's been that bad so era north of seven fip close to eight um but nevertheless, nevertheless he's still making starts on my team um yeah so he's one guy i mean it can't get much worse than that right like he's not he's not a scrub he's he's good um yeah like if, if he can get that era down to like a five or something in the next month that'd be great Maybe his um, velocity, uh... velocity
0: down is corbin's velocity down it's a good question. Actually, you know, I haven't checked, know.
3: but it was down a little bit last year. I think it's kind of crazy because yeah. at the time, from, you know, at the time that we made that try, I remember us all talking about Corbin being like the key to that deal, and mm-hmm. that if he was really good, it would favor you a lot, and that if he was really bad, it would favor me. Yeah. And I guess it has turned out that way. And that, to be honest, that is what I was not a fan of Corbin. That was one of my picks that I during the draft. There was no one that I wanted that round, and I was kind of panicking. And so Corbin was just essentially the best guy at the top of the list who I just took, and I it was the one guy my team I did not want. So my goal before the season was to trade him to someone who valued him high, which <laughs> I guess was you at the time. I was the sucker, and <laughs> that one did not work out for you.
1: I mean, to be um, fair, that trade so far for us it really hasn't panned out for really any of us. So, like, yeah, I was Freeman say, hasn't my been that. Guys like, like, none of the players in that either. deal have been solid.
3: Yeah, that is, Hendricks has not been. No. good at all and then major has, been, has been, been average at best. Soto's been average and Brantley, I traded. Yeah. So it's not like yeah, it's not like I've dominated that trade or anything. And then I also gave you um who are the other oh Freeman who's been really good. So yeah freeman so, yeah. he's been solid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like um, a total domination. But yeah, the I gotta yeah. say I'm pretty out on pretty out on Corbin in general. I'm oh I'm God. panicked if we're doing the
1: like no joke, every player in this trade has not panned out so far. Hector Neris, Patrick Corbin, Aaron Hicks, Ian Happ. That like none of those guys have panned out.
3: Man, I was big on Happ too. I'm surprised too. he's been so, I he'll turn it around, I'm confident Yeah.
1: I'm
3: big, yeah, I'm a big yeah. in Happ fan.
1: So there you but go, I'm not
3: <laughs> a, Yeah, in terms of Corbin, if we're doing the panic or cool, I'm panicked, I'm Corbin, I'm out. Great.
1: I'm staying cool just to throw some positive energy into the universe.
3: It's rough for the Nationals too because they signed him to a six-year deal. Do you guys remember last year? It was three or four starts in and Patrick Corbin was dominating. And The Nats did – you know those SpongeBob tweets where it's like every other letter is capital to like mock people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those meme tweets, yeah. So they made one saying, like, don't give Patrick Corbin a six-year deal, blah, 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 making fun of people (laughs) who were making fun of the contract. And everyone was like – You you realize it's been four starts, right? And then now, a year later, with four years to go after this year, Mm. it does not look so good. And Strasburg's on the books for 30 plus million for another like five or six years. Yeesh, it's not a good time to be a Nats fan. And their farm is
2: bad. And and that's why I feel bad for Soto, just because the Nationals are, this is the last year of Scherzer's contract. Right. They got that in 2019 because. They're not going to be good no. for several years. Mm-hmm.
3: This is the, their best team probably for the next few years because they're going to start losing guys. There's no way they're going to be able to be able to keep Turner and Soto if mm-hmm. one of them at all.
1: Yeah, and uh, to answer the question on the velocity, um, it's not really down. It's at nine. Uh, his fastball's at 91.4 last That's year was at so 90. Low, last year was 90.4. The year before that was yeah. 92. So it's actually not. I mean, yes, it is overall low. Um, but not, and he has a, not sli- a like his
3: sl- his slider is his main pitch. It's not like he's a velo guy. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I worry about a a guy who's mostly a two pitch pitcher if he doesn't throw hard.
0: Yeah, I've never been a huge Corbin fan either, so I'll just say panic. <laughs> I have Luis Castillo. <laughs> I have Luis Castillo who's giving Corbin a run for his money for worst pitcher in the league and I'm fully panicked <laughs> yeah. on him. So I'll put if I'm panicked on him, I'm panicked on Corbin.
2: Yeah. Nick, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm panicking about him, but I don't know sometimes pitchers just turn it around. I mean Bumgarner was awful last year. He was Even awful in his year. first three yeah. starts yeah. this year, and he I has been. His first good he started. has been fantastic. <laughs> his past like five-ish starts. I drafted him in the later rounds, and I was like, you know what? Oh, you know, I'll give him a. Sh- I'll give him a chance, and he was. He had like minus eight points in his first start. I'm like, all right, that's that's about the least I was willing to give him. <laughs> he he went to a couple more teams after that, and then he got picked up by I think Michael Merrick. And since that, since he got picked up by Merrick, he is, he's averaged like 20 plus, which is like easily. Yeah. Okay. You guys gave me a shit for starting him. And then ever since he's been like the best (laughs) pitcher in baseball. Right. So, you know, it's possible. I mean, Corbin, he's shown that he has the stuff. It's just a matter of putting it all together i suppose which is a tall order it's a tall order but i think it's possible that he returns to somewhat not terrible but i'm panicked i think the thing with corbin
3: is he just kind of switches off between either really good or pretty good starts with absolutely terrible ones like he'll let up seven to nine runs every third start consistently throughout a season, it seems like. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe some days he just, like, doesn't have a feel for one of his pitches. And then, since, or like, if he doesn't have a feel for his slider, let's say, and his fastball is not dominant, maybe that's why he just gets shelled sometimes. I don't know what it is because he does still have decent starts, and he's had a few already this year despite being that bad. It's just that he's had a few that are just so atrocious that it inflates those overall numbers a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he um he's definitely hurt my team more than he's helped it. Um yeah, it's just been an absolute nightmare so far. Uh but I'm I'm really hoping that I mean like it's still overall pretty, pretty early in the season and like I was saying he can't get much worse than what he's done already. Um so I'm just really hoping for a nice a, a nice little turnaround. Uh to give you guys an idea, uh, fantasy points, like a good uh at this point in our league, a good pitcher has roughly 100 I guess any any player has 100 fantasy points by now uh patrick corbin has given
3: me 10. that's insane 10. Mm. even like zach davies has more than that at this point so bad it's hard to
1: find it's hard to find a a consistent starter that that has less than that so um so yeah like i was saying can't get much worse moving on uh let's move on to the hitter francisco lindor slashing 202 321 275 good enough for a 596 OPS and a 79 WRC plus before the season started. He got that giant extension, which we were all just bashing the Mets for doing. Um, I was a bit more optimistic on it because of the fact that he was, would be a marketable player. Um, but when you already have fans booing him in April, chances <laughs> the marketability factor was kind of lost there. Um, so, Ryan, I know you're perhaps the one that was uh, um, uh, the most, I guess, judgmental about, about this signing long-term, but I'm sure not even you thought he would be this bad so early on.
3: No, definitely not. And I don't think that he will continue to be. Like, it's very easy for me to say, oh, I called this because I said the Lindor contract is bad. But no, of course I didn't think, or I still don't think that Lindor is a five to 600 OPS player. Lindor is still... A star player right now I definitely believe that and I think that if I had to predict I would still say somewhere between four and five wins above replacement by the end of the season the problem for me is long term giving him a 10-year deal is just insane and the offensive numbers are going to be a little bit above average for the first few and then who knows how bad they'll be for the last so to me it's the whole the big picture that I hate but if we're talking about 2021, I still think Lindor is one of the better players in the league. Like you don't go from being worth $300 million to a team to being a replacement-level player. Like That just doesn't happen. Maybe once in a blue moon in MLB history, but that just seems so unlikely and so rare. And he's so good defensively that even if he's a league-average hitter, he's a three- to four-win player. So I'm not worried about present value. I'm just as worried as I've ever been about long-term. Um, nothing has really changed that much in my eyes. I think it's just a really bad month. It's going to get exaggerated, but it's not going to end up looking good. And just the overall narrative of Lindor in New York, I think is going to be a really negative one overall, which is unfortunate for him because he is a fun and exciting and good player. Um, and it's just kind of going to be rough to see what could happen if he continues to underperform.
1: Yeah. And to finish my thought, um, overall, I'm going to say stay cool. And this is why his walk rate all time high. 14%. 14%. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, his high was 9.4. So he's increased it by 5%. Mm-hmm. Strikeout rate, all-time low, 11.6%. Incredible BABIP numbers. 211.
3: His when, what? His BABIP,
1: 211.
3: Okay. Yeah. So that'll improve. Yeah.
1: yeah. When in, in the past, the worst it's ever been uh, was in 2017. It was at 275.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. So he's def- he's definitely uh, a victim of, of some really bad luck also getting adjusted to New York. I mean, you, you go from Cleveland to New York, like, come on, that's a mm-hmm. huge difference there. And as far as uh, atmosphere. So yeah, overall, um, just a lot of getting used to things, a lot of bad luck. He'll be fine for this season, at least. That's
3: a really good walk rate. Oh, you said 14%. 14%. That's a yeah. lot. I never would have guessed that Lindor would get to that point. Um, so that's a good sign. The problem with him is just so much weak contact and this is yeah. some I mean this is an anecdotal point but if you just watch Lindor it seems to me like chances are you'll see a weak ground out or a weak pop up it, it just feels like every time I'm watching the Mets and he's up that's what happens and there's so rarely does he hit the ball hard kind of like I was saying with Jesse Winker where everything is squared up it just feels like the opposite with Lindor um, I think his stack cast numbers would probably bear that out
1: yeah, his uh, yeah. average exit velocity, uh eighty-eight point nine miles per hour.
3: Do you know what a league average is? Uh, I do not know what league average is. I'm not sure. I think it's
2: like a little over ninety, but I'm not positive. Well for someone waiting, like a- for someone making thirty-four million dollars a <laughs> yeah, year, for you'd expect it to be at least above ninety.
0: Yeah. 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 He'll in he'll, the first year of the deal. He'll turn it he'll turn it around and be fine i'm not panicking but i agree with everything you guys said about long term and short term so i have nothing to add there
1: cool um let's move on to the team and we kind of touched on them earlier the minnesota twins 12 and 21 to start the year um a lot of people myself included thought they would win the division they still could uh and nick i think nick mentioned this they have a minus eight run differential so the fact that their run differential um, is less than how many games they are away from 500. That's usually pretty op- – uh, It's a uh, should bring some optimism to Twins fans. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. Like, 12-21, and 21, like, they, they need to win nine games in a row to even be back at 500. And um, not only that, but they have to count on the teams in front of them playing just as bad uh, for them to climb back up. So I am – I'm kind of in between cool and panic, to be honest, but overall, I'd say I'm still cool on them.
0: I think that they're better. I mean, like, obviously, with this run differential, they're better than their record indicates. I don't think they're that bad, but I'm, in terms of their prospects of making the playoffs, I'm pretty close to a panic button because outside of, I guess, Pineda's been a nice surprise, and uh, Barrios has been Barrios. But outside of them, their pitching has been atrocious, and there's no like. Maeda has been horrible, and there's really no pitching depth. The bullpen has not been very good, and now Buxton's hurt. So who knows how good he'll be when he returns off his hot start? Like they need all they need all cylinders going, and it could happen, but the twins need to get really hot and be really good in order to, for like a long stretch this season in order to become a playoff team again. So that makes me pretty nervous because I just don't see that happening.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with everything that Jesse said. I feel like there might've been a 50, 50 shot to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. And Uh then when you are nine games below 500 with, three competitive teams ahead of you, including one that's probably one of the better teams in the American League. Um, I think that's one of their biggest problems. And their second biggest problem that Jesse mentioned is Buxton being injured. Um, He is by far their best player right now. And if he misses, honestly, any more games than what he's going to miss while he's out right now, they're going to be in big trouble. They need all hands on deck if they're going to be playing um, whatever 20 game above 500 pace for the rest of the season. That's going to be really really tough with the state of their pitching and their best player being injured and then trying to catch three
2: teams. Yeah. I'm I'm staying cool, um but that's that's just because their offense is so dynamic and I I do see some regression from both the Indians and the White Sox. I don't I don't know if any of those teams get above maybe 92 wins. I do, I I do see all three of those teams finishing between 87 and 92. Um, And I think it's, I think it's going to be competitive. So it's, it's entirely dependent on the twins offense. And this has just been the case for them the past two, three years, four years. Their offense just carrying them into the playoffs, and they don't have the good enough pitching to actually do anything in the playoffs. But I think that's going to be the case again this year. Their offense is just going to take flight. It's going to click, and I I think they're gonna. I think they'll be okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's good. Their point. offense. Yeah, their offense is probably the best offense in that division, especially with Robert and Eloy out. Um, oh, yes. yes,
3: especially
0: so, now. Yeah, right. yeah, with that So uh, I could definitely see them get hot and come back. It wouldn't be that shocking. I just think that it's a little too steep of a hill to climb. Plus that would hinder my chances of winning a lot of money with the White Sox. So (laughs) don't want that to happen.
1: All right. Um, So now we'll move on to the last three uh, uh, sections that we do on a weekly basis, starting off with who's winning the war. You guys know who's leading in war for hitters? Trout. Trout. Yep. 2.5. Wins above replacement for Trout, two and a half, and it's May 12. <laughs> Insane. Uh, Acuna he He's in been second.
2: slumping too, but he has been. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh is in second with 2.2. Chris Bryant at 1.9. Um, That's Byron a big gap Doesn't even qualify anymore.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Buxton's over two, though. I think also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just doesn't qualify anymore because of mm-hmm. uh, the time he's missed. <laughs> That's crazy. Buxton yeah.
0: wasn't Buxton on pace for like a twenty WAR season or something. something at, like, that, like at yeah. the end of April.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like and the worst hitter in baseball this year, with a negative 0.9 wins above oh, placement has been Jonathan Scope. With a he has Jonathan a four. Who's he, who he
2: playing? Yeah, who's he playing? With Detroit.
1: with Detroit.
2: Oh boy. Yeah, a four
1: ninety three OPS. A four ninety three OPS. <laughs>
0: I like yeah, forgot second. about Jonathan's scope.
1: The guy who's second to worst, though, was really surprising. Lourdes Gloriel Jr. Really? Yeah. Really. I knew
3: he'd been struggling, but mm. I wouldn't have guessed second worst. Yeah. Minus point 0.8. Wow. He was incredible last year, too. Yeah. That's He's had a very weird career where he's kind of balanced between being average to great to horrible. I feel like he's had that transition like three times, too. And he's only like 25. It's been weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: that's really shocking. Uh, for pitchers, who do you guys think is leading? It's it's, it's, a, it's a pretty it's, easy week
3: for this game. Uh, DeGrom, yeah, it's DeGrom <laughs>
1: 2.3 2. wins above replacement. Wow, um, Cole. with Cole in second at 2.2 mm-hmm. 2 and John means in third at 1.8. Wow, sheesh.
2: I wonder Deserve what in, that yeah. means for the. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I had to. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Funny guy oh, oh, over here.
0: Friend that how that, far that, that joke right behind? there was the lowest war in pitchers right. There. Cole's
1: at Cole's at two point two, Degrom two point three, so they're neck
3: and neck. Okay, because mm-hmm. Cole pitched today too, so he might, and he dominated. So yeah, he'll probably so be Cole, ahead Cole, Cole does have tomorrow. one extra
1: start over Degrom, and he's still yeah. behind by point one.
3: Okay. Oh, yeah. Was that including today's start for Cole, or
1: uh, whatever gives him seven starts on the season? So it might be mm. including okay. today. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and the worst pitcher in baseball. Oh gee, we talked about him already. Patrick Corbin. Corbin. <laughs> 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 so embarrassing. Uh, Where's Luis he Castillo?
0: Likes. He's gotta be close.
1: Luis Maybe Castillo, not. he's actually not. Um, let me look up right, right now. What do you think he's at?
0: My guess is probably like 0.4. Oh. I was gonna guess z I was gonna guess exactly zero.
1: Exactly zero? My guess is negative yeah. point
2: negative I'll go 0.3. 0.3. All right. He is at... Oh, he's actually positive. He's at 0.3.
0: There's no um... way. There's no fucking way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> with a 6.42
0: ERA. Literally, wow. literally, I turn every game on with Luis Castillo. at Single, <laughs> single, 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 single. It's insane. It's like it's a fucking can, Pringles can bag. <laughs>
3: he's too easy to pick up out of... Other and he's not even
1: striking batters out either this yeah, year. He's
3: ridiculous. at a 6.95 six, K per nine. That's the scariest thing, I think, is the lack of Ks. Like At least if he was getting strikeouts, you'd be like, oh, some batter balls might go his way. Yeah. But if he's not getting Ks, then, yeah, a whole lot of hits. Oh, but you know Jesse. what? His,
1: his FIP though, is at four and a half.
3: Yeah, yeah not Terrible. Urias trade. Tra- I know. <laughs>
0: traded away. Yeah, Urias I wanted Urias too. Oh. he's carving up the owners yeah. right now. I, oh I remember. God. I, I, I was so
2: Uriah. mad that he did that trade through because I was eyeing Castillo as well, and I I offered him like a slightly worse deal than you did. I was like, Sammy, what the heck? Why didn't you trade me Castillo? I wish, I now, wish
0: that trade didn't go through. I'm really glad. <laughs> Should have been Um, more
1: aggressive at the time, Nick. Uh, All right, guys. Who do you guys want to show some love to? Uh, Let's move to attaboy. Um, I'll get it started. Uh, So even though Patrick Corbin has been destroying my team this season, one guy who has been a plus surprise has been Cole Irvin of the Oakland Athletics. Seven games started, a three twenty nine ERA. And uh, a decent strikeout rate. 8.12 strikeouts per nine innings. He's been super consi- consistent for me, giving me like 20 points every single outing. Um, really solid. He's been on the Savior on my uh, fantasy team, and I'm glad I picked him up and kept him. So I'm showing some love to him and to Kendall Graveman. No earned runs yet. 14 in a third. That is
3: literally what I was gonna say, Fernando. That's crazy. Yeah, so I'll here. just let you. I'll let you talk about him. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, 10 Ks per nine. Uh, I saw him pitch on Friday uh, when he was here in Texas, and just Rangers hitters didn't even have a chance. It he's was incredible. Just, yeah, it, it was incredible to see, especially given um, the injury history he's had. It's really really cool to see him transition from starter to a bullpen ace. Um, Ryan, did you want to elaborate a little more on him? Or? Yeah, else? he
3: reminds me a little bit of – you guys remember when Sam Dyson was the Rangers' best reliever back yep. – well, he was the one who let up the Bautista bat flip homer. But he just threw this yep. ridiculous, nasty sinker. It was like 95, 96, and nobody could hit it. I feel like Kendall Grayman's like that, but he's throwing it 98, 99. So that it's just impressive. feels like – yeah, it's not – it doesn't have as much sinker. It's not as nasty as the Zach Britton sinker but it still moves a ton and gets in on the hands of righties. And is a really, really nasty pitch. And then he has obviously other pitches that he throws slider and a few others as well, that he just feels like a relief ace waiting to happen. And to me, he's going to be, I don't know if he's gonna be like the top guy at the deadline, but definitely like the most underrated impact deadline acquisition for some team. I don't know. I think there might only be one year of control on him, but whether it's this year or this year and yeah, this year, one- it's. It doesn't even matter. He's going to be an impact player in the playoffs this year, almost guaranteed.
1: Yeah. We're starting to see this trend more often of like failed. I mean, I use that term loosely. He wasn't really a failed starter. He just got hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like starters said thing, where things didn't pan out, they just end up dominating in the bullpen it's yeah really, well, really, really cool to see yeah
3: that's what liam hendrix did and it got him yeah 55 million yeah, so yeah. dollars you don't have to be a starter to get paid and even exactly. if you're not going to get that money getting a good reliever contract of like 12 million dollars that's mm-hmm. pretty nice
1: yeah um jesse who do you got Who want to show so show, show some love to
0: okay I, my computer's been acting up and I'm not able to get like his more advanced stats or anything but a guy that I've just been loving recently um I guess honestly for the past few weeks has been Cedric Mullins like (laughs) I have no idea who this dude is but he's just like every single day on on my fantasy team and then I've even watched him a few times. It's just this dude gets hits. He's athletic. He's like like he's batting 308, six homers. No one even thought of him as like a power guy at all. But like he's just been the whole package with this team. I don't know if he's gonna be able to sustain it, but um he's been really fun to watch and I'm just happy that yeah he, uh, he's becoming a thing in baseball. Good for Cedric Mullins.
1: Yeah, love that pick. Uh, 345 Babbitt for him, 9% walk rate, 17% strikeout rate. Pretty solid numbers.
3: Yeah, and that's good to see. Not like a hugely inflated Babbitt number either. Sometimes for these hot starts, if a guy has like a 450 Babbitt, you're like, ooh, he's going to regress big time. But 345 for a speedy guy like Mullins feels sustainable.
2: Yeah. Cool. Love that pick. Nick? Um, I'm going to... Pains me, but I'm gonna to have to go with a division rival. Yuli Guriel has just he was terrible last season. I think he batted 221. This year he's currently batting 333 with a 596 slugging. His last seven games he has three homers, 10 RBIs, 346 average, 769 slugging he's just been tearing the ball and he hit another home run against the angels today um but yeah i didn't expect it and but he's just been killing it love that pick and good for you for choosing a
1: uh you know <laughs> putting your bias aside and choosing a division rival <laughs> especially especially on the astros of all teams unfortunately um, cool all right, last segment, speak now. Um, one thing I did want to talk about was the quality start. Um, so as mo- most of us know, quality start, six innings uh of work, three earned runs. That equals out to a 4.5 ERA. To give you guys an idea of what and in and, and you know, a quality start, you think that a lot of players or a lot of teams actually value that, even though a 4.5 ERA, when you hear that, it's like, oh, that pitcher's not not that good. Um Here are guys who have a career, uh, their career ERA is a quality start. Kyle Gibson, we mentioned earlier, Spencer Turnbull, Daniel Norris, Julio Tehran, Anibal Sanchez, and Joey Lucchese. All of those guys have a career ERA that's worth a quality start. And we don't think of any of those guys as um, guys that you need in your rotation. But if someone told you they can give you a quality start every single time they went out, You'd probably like you'd like. Oh yeah, quality starts your thing, um, but that's what that translates to in real life. So just wanted to bring that point up.
2: Cool. I, I think at this point, the the hard part isn't the earned runs. The hard part is getting six in it. Six innings, yeah. You don't know, you don't see that as much anymore. You know, pitchers are going less deep into games. You know, that's just a trend that's been happening but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of a weird, like how do you just label something, a quality start? Yeah. They could go six innings, Very arbitrary. Know, three earned runs and walk nine guys, <laughs> but right. they yeah. just got like six double plays, you yeah. know, so.
1: And I feel like the stat might've been more useful, like in the nineties, when offense was just, you know, at an all time high where if you were a, p- a pitcher with a four and a half ERA, you were pretty valuable. But now where we're seeing a lot of guys throw ERAs in the ones and the twos, it's like a four and a half. Get out of here. Like, we don't want you anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that's just a stat that has um, the value of that stat has changed throughout time. And it's really dependent on what the environment is like. Um, but it's just throwing that out there, like maybe they need to like revamp like what the stat means. But if they do that, that means they're going to have to change all the stats in the past, um, I don't know. It's just really weird because like now nowadays, you think a like, four and a half ERA, it's not that good, but that's considered a quality start. But um. I think
2: the piggy piggybacking off piggybacking off of off of that idea you mentioned the '90s. I was looking at Randy Johnson's baseball reference page <laughs> yesterday, and. That's a fun he one. He won he won four straight Cy Young's
3: from with the D backs His, his D run was yeah. ridiculous. At the later part, later part and
2: he had over, I think the lowest strikeout total he had during those years was three hundred and forty six. Yeah. Which is <laughs> Damn. Just what? absurd. That was the I think lowest? The high the high his high was like 380 something he was
3: throwing just, like 250 innings but still that i mean either <laughs> way it's ridiculous
2: unreal and then you know yeah. and to think that's the height of the steroid era pedro martinez also had one of the greatest two, probably the greatest back-to-back pitching uh season pitching performances of all time during this, right in the midst of the steroid era. So we're talking about the quality starts, six innings, pitch, three and runs. And then wow. you have these two guys who are just carving up the league. Just absolutely tearing it up. It's funny when you look at like leaderboards from those periods and you
3: have like Pedro or Randy Johnson at the top. And then even the guys who are in the top 10 have like a 4.2 ERA. But there's yeah. just such a big gap between them. And the rest of the league yeah. so I was going to say about the quality start thing, I feel like it's kind of just like a, a rough estimate stat. So when you see someone has like 15 quality starts in a season, it's not going to give you like really any sense, like a real sense of how good they are, but just kind of a ballpark of like, oh, are they a good pitcher and average? I don't think it's a very worthwhile stat. Um, so it, it definitely is a, a good point to bring up that a 450 ERA is not even above average really. So yeah. Not, not something to strive for. But that is like the, the limit to of a quality start. It's not saying that like that alone is a quality start. It's that and anything better. So that's like the worst you can possibly be and still qualify. But it is it's a very yeah. arbitrary thing. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. That 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 is like the minimum in order to get that quality start. Yeah, true. Yeah. Good point. Anything else you guys want to touch on today?
3: Uh, I just wanted to say something really quickly about <laughs> um I'll I'll make it super quick, but I wanted to say something about the Brewers and their bullpen, because we had talked about earlier how they have, like, these absolute superstars at the back end, but they only use Hater in the ninth inning, and and we don't have to, like, dive deep into this. I just wanted to throw out that I... It's frustrating to me watching him only pitch the ninth inning, and I want to see him pitch the seventh. I want to see him come in with the bases loaded, two outs in the eighth inning with a tying run-up, like, stuff like that. Like, I know they'll do that in the playoffs, but I want to see that Hopefully, I just want to see it at least in the second half of the season or when they, when they feel like the games get more important. I don't want him to be a only pitches the ninth inning when they're winning by three or something dumb like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and th- that's actually a segment I had for uh, that we can probably dive into a bit more next week. Because, um, sure. yeah, it's, it's not just hater. It's like there's a bunch of other guys that we just want to see them in the best – um high leverage situations and ideally not only that but also like pitch multiple innings it'd be great to see that because like a lot of these guys were built up as starters eventually uh, mm-hmm. you know when when they were first being brought up um it'd be kind of cool to see them pitch like multiple innings at a time n- not just in the postseason um kind of like the the white Sox with kopech too assuming he's not in the rotation yeah. they can like mm-hmm. extend you know yeah that'd be really cool to see him pitch multiple innings uh but that's all we got for today pretty meaty podcast for our first time back <laughs> yeah. Um, (laughs) Quite a quite quite a bit of stuff, and and we omitted a lot of things. But uh, we hope to continue these uh, podcasts on a weekly basis. Now that the season's season's really starting to heat up, the weather's heating up, it's getting good. Um, But yeah, for now, I'm Fernando for Jesse, Ryan, and Nick. We are the baseball dorks. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. Yeah, yeah.